Good evening. <clears throat> good evening. Praise the Lord. Man, it's good to see you out tonight. Beautiful crowd of people out tonight on this beautiful Sunday, cool Sunday evening. Amen. Hey, a couple of announcements as we start this evening. Uh, I got in trouble because I forgot to announce this morning the Heart to Heart and Men's Ministry. Uh, here it is. Party is December 16th at 6 o'clock at Dan and Jill John's house. And so don't forget about that. It's in the bulletin. Be sure and get a bulletin. Also, I didn't say this this morning. It's on the screen in the bulletin. But next Sunday morning is our youth and kids uh, Christmas program. And so be sure and come out to that. Invite somebody. It's going to be a great time. We're doing uh, kind of our own rendition of a Charlie Brown Christmas. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. And we, we, we'd love to see the house full for these kids as they get up here. And, uh, you know... It, for me to get up here, you know, you know, the Bible says two or more come together, you know, and agree on anything in the name of Jesus, he'll be here. But when kids get up here, boy, it really excites. It really makes their day, makes them feel special that they've come and prepared and learned their lines and the songs and everything to come out and see a lot of people out there and cheering for them and supporting them. And, and then they encourages them to come and do more stuff and to be a part of what we're doing. And so invite somebody to come next Sunday morning. And we'll have a good time, and it has a good message in it, so come out and be a part of that. But if you didn't get a bulletin this morning, get one uh, to keep up with all of it. Don't forget, the youth are selling these beautiful calendars. Uh, listen, I've had some people say they would buy one with my picture in it. We may have to look into that. We may have to invest in that. Somebody also said they're not big enough to have your picture in them. I don't know about that either. And also, uh, there's a few of these, uh, the angel tree tags still out there. Um, we need those going tonight, really, because they need to be, the, the presents need to be brought back this week. So if they're still on the tree, when I lock the doors tonight, that means they're not going to get it. And this is, uh, uh, doesn't have names, but this is a little girl, 13-year-old female, and has items that she needs. And this is a good way for us to show the love of Jesus and, and the provision and blessings that he's given us to help bless others. And so be sure and pick up one of these. Robin did say on, on the, the counter out there, there is a little sign-up deal. If you take it, be sure and write. There's a tag number on here, and then put who took it. That way we can kind of keep up with, uh, you know, where they've gone. And so we kind of know um, that way if you don't bring your stuff, we know who to call and send the, send the Rocky Baboa or whoever after to collect on it. No, but, you know, this really does bless some families. We've got a lot of families in Long Grove that, that need a little extra. And so this really helps them. So if you can take one of these and, and bless a kid or two or three or four, then uh, we really appreciate that. Why don't we stand this evening? We're going to open. Well, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. We're going to take up offering first. Fooled you. I almost forgot. We changed up a little bit tonight, so uh, Pastor Dave will have plenty of time, and he can come up after worship and, and minister. And don't forget, following the service, we're having a business meeting where we will have a pastor election. So, um, But let's pray over the offering. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your provision. And Lord, tonight, as we have an opportunity to give back to you, Lord, I pray that you'd bless it. Lord, multiply it. Use it all around the world. Lord, bless those that give and those that can't give. God, bless us all equally, Lord. But, but Lord, as we give to you, we pray that you use it mightily, God. And we love you and give you glory in the name of Jesus.
was trying to give you a little taste of Catholic Church. Let us rise. Stand with me. Let's open with a word of prayer tonight as we enter worship tonight. Lord, we love you. Lord, we just praise you tonight. As we come into your presence, Lord, we pray that you'd move mightily tonight. We come before you worshipful, Lord, in an attitude of praise and thanksgiving tonight, Lord, for all that you've done for us and all that you're about to do for us. God, we pray that you'd move in a mighty way. God, let your Holy Spirit rain down on this place tonight, and we just glorify you, and we love you, and we praise you for everything that you're doing. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. So you can move, come and do what only you can do. I wanna live in expectation of your kingdom breaking through. Let's sing that again. I wanna move so you can move, come and do what only you can do. I wanna live in expectation of your kingdom breaking through.
y'all come expecting tonight. Father, we expect you to do great things in this service, God. Father, we know you can and you will, Lord. We just need to be receptive of your move, Father. Just move us out of the way, God, and have your way in this service. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you've got. There's honey in the rock. Praying for a miracle, thirsty for the living At the mercy seat, now I've tasted. It's not too hard to see. Only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock. 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 Freedom where the spirit is. In the wilderness, you will always satisfy. Oh, there's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you got. There's honey in the rock, purpose in your plan, power in the blood, healing in your hand. Started flowing when you said it is done. Everything you need's enough. I keep looking, I keep finding. You keep giving, you keep providing. I have all that I need. You are all that I need. And I keep praying, you keep moving. I keep praising.
Lord, we trust you, Lord. Hallelujah. We trust you, God. Oh, 
Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Just stay in this atmosphere of praise for just a moment. Praise you, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit this evening. We thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to show us things to come, to bring all things to our remembrance. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us for such a time as this. Now, Lord, my prayer tonight is that you have your way in this place. It's not about our agenda. It's not about our schedule. It's all about you tonight. Whatever it is you want to do tonight, Lord, that's what we want to do. But, Lord, most of all, we want you to be glorified in this place. We want you to be magnified in this place, Lord. We lift up our praise to you right now. We lift up our praise to you right now. Just begin to praise him, church. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. Just begin to praise him. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're watching online, begin to praise him where you are because the God I serve inhabits my praises. And when I begin to praise him, mountains begin to move. When I begin to praise him, walls begin to shake. When I begin to praise him, situations begin to change. When I begin to praise him, miracles happen. And he said tonight he wants a miracle in this place. Praise you, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Praise your holy name, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord, I see that. I see that. <laughs> I see that in this place right now. He said, today you've come heavy hearted. He said, today you've come with hurt. You've come with bitterness. You've come with all kinds of emotions. But he said, he sees you. He said, for the last few days, you felt like, God, do you even see me? Matter of fact, I feel it in my spirit like you've said that tonight. God, do you even see me? And what I want you to know tonight is he said, I see you. And not only do I see you, but I'm moving on your behalf. Not only do I see you, but the situation that has you weighed down that seems so big to you is not that big to me. And he said, if you'll give it to me and you'll trust in me and you'll listen to my direction and my leading, he said, I'll make a change. He said, I'll bring the joy that the world doesn't offer. I'll bring the peace that the world can't offer you. I'll bring strength in time of weakness. But he said, you have to look to me. And so Lord, tonight we look to you. Tonight we cast our cares upon you. You said if we cast our cares upon you, you would carry our burden. So Lord, tonight we cast our cares at your feet. Tonight we lay them down at the altar and we declare victory in the name of Jesus. We declare healing in the name of Jesus. We declare peace, joy, love, strength. We declare every promise that's been purchased for us. If the Bible says it, we believe it, that doesn't. We're not gonna waver tonight. We're gonna trust in you. We're gonna put our faith in you. And we're gonna celebrate the victory before we ever see it come to pass. We're going to celebrate the victory in the middle of the storm. We're going to celebrate the trial. We're going to celebrate your goodness in the middle of the trial because you are a God who moves mountains. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, amen, amen. amen. Somebody give the Lord a praise tonight. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Well, you can be seated if you can. If you can't, you can come stand next to me. Praise the Lord. I don't think it's fair. I'm the only one that has to stand. We're going to try sometime when we're all sitting, you guys all stand. Wouldn't that be great? I think that, I think that would be great. Switch it around. So tonight we're going to be talking about appointed and anointed. I'm going to say it again because you didn't hear it the first time. I said tonight we're going to talk about appointed and anointed. You see, we have to understand and we live in a society where we don't understand what it means to be appointed and what it means to be anointed. And so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to get into this message. I'm telling you what, we got a lot of scripture to look at tonight. And here's why. People say, why do you use so many scriptures when you preach? Because if I'm giving you the word, I'm not giving you my opinion. Because my opinion and my feelings don't matter, the word of God does. My opinion and my feelings doesn't change your situation, the word of God does. 
And so let us go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we thank you already for the miracles that have begun in this place. We thank you already for the healing that's begun in this place. We thank you already for provision that's coming in. We thank you for that spirit of fear and depression and anxiety to be broken off in the name of Jesus. We thank you that we can walk in the freedom that was purchased for us. Now, Lord, my prayer today is that the words I speak be your words and not mine. And Lord, most of all, I ask for the leading and the utterance of the Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way, whatever it is. And I ask for your word to go forth past the ear and into the heart of the listener. And we will never be the same in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen, amen. amen. We have been appointed. Years ago, I had the opportunity to meet with a young gentleman and we sat down in my office and we began to talk about God's goodness. And we began to talk about the call and the purpose that was on his life. And some of you are here today and you say, well, I don't have a call and a purpose. If you're breathing, God has a call and a purpose for your life. There's a reason you're here and he wants to use you if you'll let him. But too many of us are so busy with everything else, we're not letting God move in us, through us, and around us. And he says, if you'll let me, I want to move. And so I began to talk to him because he had an amazing call of God on his life. I could see it all over him. God was going to use him in a powerful way. And we began to talk about it. And he began to say, why would God use me? Why would God want to use me? And I had this discussion with him. And it was such a, such a flashback to when I was in Bible school because I said this. I said, Lord, why me? Why would you call me to preach the gospel? Why would you call? Listen, I, I'm not a good speaker. I don't read real fast. I'm not, I don't have the cool hairdo that everybody expects a pastor to have. I don't have the cool pastor clothes. At the time I was going into youth ministry, I'm like, come on, every youth pastor at the time had the cool spiked hair with the blonde tips. And I didn't have it because I couldn't spike my hair. And man, how am I ever going to do this? And I would pray that over and over, Lord, why me? Why would you call me to do this? You know, I came from a broken home. Come on, we got our reasons, right? We have all our reasons why we can't do it. I came from a broken home. I came from this situation. I came from that situation. Oh, the struggles I've seen, the things I've been through, the people I've hurt, the wrongs I've done. I began to list all the reasons why I couldn't do what God called me to do. And one night in prayer, I felt it just as clear as a bell in my spirit. The Lord said, why not you? Why not you? Okay, Lord, I'm listening. Why not you? You're sitting here tonight and you say, you know, you always talk about us going out and telling people about Jesus or going out and preaching the good news. But why, why would I do that? Why would God use me? And I'm here today to tell you why not you. I think the Lord's calling. I hear it. I hear it. Praise the Lord. But so as, as we began to talk with this young man about the call of God on his life and about the plan and purpose he had, and as I began to sit down with him, he finally came to this, this conclusion that he wanted me to know. He said, listen, my parents told me I was a mistake. So how could God use me if I'm a mistake? And I began to really pour into him and let him know that I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what your family tells you. You're not a mistake. God has a plan, a purpose, and a call on your life. And he's going to use you in a mighty way. And so we began to talk about what God has for us. So I want to ask you this question today. Are you appointed? Have you been appointed in the kingdom of God? Go to Matthew chapter 28. You're going to see this here soon. We're going to look at Matthew 28, and then we're going to jump right to Mark 16. And for those of you who don't know it, this is called the Great Commission. Jesus has just given his life on the cross. 
He's died. He's been buried in a tomb. He rises up. He sees his 11 disciples because the 12th one's no longer. And he sees his 11 disciples and he's beginning to sow into them in the Great Commission. And as I told you this morning, when we're getting ready to depart and Jesus was getting ready to leave to be seated at the right hand of the Father, what do we do when we're getting ready to depart? We give them the most important information we want them to know. So we want them to know. And so he pulls his disciples together in chapter 28. And we're going to start together in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven. Now let's just stop right there because that's a shouting place right there. All authority, all power, all might has been given to him. What does that mean? That means that I have the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. And when I speak out the gospel in the name of Jesus, it's as though Jesus himself is speaking. And when I speak it out in his name, mountains have to move. Why? Because all authority has been given to Jesus. And so I can speak out the name of Jesus. You see, we've gotten to a place in society, in the church society, where we just feel like, oh, we're just weaklings just trying to get by. Jesus said, I've been given all authority, all power, now go use it. Go use it. Set the captive free. Go lay hands on the sick. Go do what I've called you to do. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Some of us in the church get scared when we hear the words disciple, don't we? Ooh, disciple. Man, that means commitment. That means time. To be a disciple, it means to be a sold out on the whole route, follower of Jesus Christ. I want to give it all. I want to know everything I can know. I want to follow you. I'm going to set aside my desires to follow after yours. And so we see throughout the Bible and throughout history that Jesus had a lot of followers, but only 12 disciples to begin with. Do you notice that part? Think about it. He had a lot of followers. You think when he came in and the triumphant entry, man, there was followers everywhere crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise God, here he comes. They're laying down the palm branches. They're shouting for him. But he only had 12 disciples. And then a few days later, the same crowd that was just crying Hosanna, the same followers that were proclaiming how good God was, the same group of people are now crying out, crucify him. Why? Because they didn't have the relationship. They'd heard about Jesus. They'd followed him a little bit and seen some of his teachings. They'd heard some of his things, but they were easily persuaded whatever direction that they were pulled because they didn't have a relationship with him. You see, the gospel is about relationship. We've gotten to a place where the church has become very religious, but Jesus isn't looking for those who are religious. He's looking for those who want relationship who want to get to know him, get to know how he moves, how he acts, how he does things. Well, let's really spend time at the feet of Jesus. Let's become disciples and not just followers. So he says, go into the whole world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all things. Now, I've used verse 20 for many years. And some of you are going to say, how could you use verse 20 for many years? My wife is a world traveler. She likes to fly. She likes to go places. She likes to do things. I don't fly. Okay, I'm just telling you that right now. I don't fly. I've done it. I don't enjoy it. I don't want to do it. And so I've always used this verse. He says right here in 20, lo, I am with you always. So why am I going to get real high in a plane if he's with me low? So I've always used that verse. You can use it, right? Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But he says to them, I have all authority and power. Now go make disciples. 
Go change your nation. Go change your community. Go change your school. Go preach the gospel. Be ready in season and out of season. We talked about that today. So I want to ask you again, have you been appointed for today to preach the gospel? Two of you. All right, we're getting there. By the end of today, there's going to be at least six of you who know that you've been appointed for such a time as this to preach the gospel. Go to Mark. Mark chapter 16. This is also called the Great Commission, and this is the one I like to read a little more because it goes a little more in depth. Mark chapter 16, we're going to start at verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, there's so many things I want you to see about this verse. He said, go into all the world. You remember last Sunday night during question time, I told you that when we take this verse and really break it down, he's talking about the world you live in. That means your neighborhood, your school, your, your job place. That means your subdivision, whatever it is. He's talking about going into your world. We've, put, we've passed this off for so long that he's only talking to missionaries here. So we don't have to do anything. But he's talking to all the disciples and he said, I want you to go into your world, where you are, where I've placed you, where I've planted you, where I've set you. I want you to go into that world and I want you to preach the gospel to every creature. Now, some of you get freaked out by the word preach. The word preach simply means to proclaim. And then he says to proclaim the gospel. We get freaked out about that. Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. I will shorten it up for you so you have a shortened version that you can take to people. Jesus came. He was the spotless, blameless lamb, the only son of God. He lived a spotless, blameless life. He showed us what it means to love. He shows us what it means to live a spotless, blameless life. He was crucified like a common criminal, placed in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he arose from the grave. He defeated hell, death, and the grave. And because of that, now we can live in victory. That's the shortened gospel. And it wasn't that hard for me to tell you that. And it shouldn't be that hard for you to tell others and proclaim the good news. He said, go tell everyone. How many people have you told today the good news? Don't look around. Don't point at anyone. How many people today have you shared your faith with? He didn't say share it with the ones who might listen. Share it with the ones who you think deserve it. Now, come on, that right there just shook some trees, didn't it? Because we've come up to this place where we get to decide who deserves the gospel and who's worthy of it and who's not. And if we get to that place, we're in a heap of trouble because the truth is none of us deserved it. None of us deserve the goodness of God. None of us deserve what he did, but he loved us enough that he did it anyways. Not because I deserved it, not because I earned it, but because he loved me. And we should love people enough that we want to share the truth with them. But here's what he said about it. Go tell everyone, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Those are powerful words from Jesus, aren't they? But what he said is this, and I want you to hear this. He said, it's your responsibility to go tell them. It's your responsibility. I'm going to tell this side because they need to hear it too. It's your responsibility to go tell them. What happens after that's on them. And I need you to hear that because what happens is we try to spread our faith. We try to share our faith. And when people deny it, it shuts us down from sharing it again. But here's the truth. My my responsibility, my calling is to share the gospel with you. And what you do with it from there is between you and God. But I can stand before God and say, you know what? You told me to share it and I shared it. Whether they believed it, whether they received it is not my problem. My problem, my situation is I have to share it. And when I shared, if they believe it, they'll be baptized and saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Are you excited about this part? 
what signs are following you today? And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Got awful quiet in here. That should have been a shouting moment. But why is that so exciting to me? Because here's the truth. When we come against resistance from the enemy, when we come against resistance from whatever is happening in our lives, we automatically shut down. We get nervous. We get scared. But the truth is we've already run. One, I read the book of Revelations and it says we win, we win, we win. So what does that mean? That means I don't have to be afraid when things arise by the enemy. I can say I know who I am in Jesus Christ and you're already defeated. And if I'm not going to fight a defeated foe, I'm not going to lose. Come on now. He said he's already been defeated, so these things should follow you. You're going to cast out demons. Most of us, come on now, don't look around, don't get mad. Most of us would hide rather than cast them out. Woo, that person's acting crazy. Man, there's something that just isn't, I'm going to go hide. That's not what he didn't say in my name they're going to hide. He said they're going to cast them out. What does that mean? That means we take authority over the situation. You might be running that person's life, but you're not coming into my house running that person's life. You might be running this situation, but you're not bringing it into my house with that situation. In his name, we will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Anybody in here ever spoke with a new tongue? Anybody in here ever gotten baptized with the Holy Ghost? Come on now. That in itself is a gift from God. Did you know that? Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to him, listen, I'm going to send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. I get excited about that. Why? Because when Jesus was on the earth, he could be in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit's omnipresent. He could be everywhere anytime we need him. He lives in me. He lives in you. He lives in you. He lives in you. Everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit is with us. And that's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. The same spirit that tore down the walls of Jericho. The same spirit that parted the Red Seas. And if that spirit's inside of me, then why would I ever fear anything that can rise up against me? I don't have to fear it. Why? Because I've been bought with a price. I'm not the same. He said, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now listen, listen, listen. It's not that kind of church. I'm just saying it says, I mean, really what he's saying is if you happen to do this, you're going to be okay. But we got people out there tempting it. We got people out there. I mean, the Bible says you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So why are we going out doing crazy stuff? It doesn't say to run into it and grab it. It says if it happens, you're not going to get harmed. There's whole churches. We know that story that that try to test that, that theory. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Doesn't say go do it. It doesn't say you should go home and see what you can. Oh, I'm going to see if God's word is true. That's not what it says. It says, if these things come, and really he's talking about spiritual battle here, if we want to get into it deeper. But he's saying, listen, when these things arise, you don't have to worry about it because it's not going to hurt you and it's not going to take you out. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. It says, oh, uh, this is my favorite one. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who will lay hands on the sick? We will. Some of y'all just got nervous. You see, I'm going to tell you a story. I wasn't going to share this story. I don't like to share this story, but I'm going to be real with you. Can I be real for a minute? My wife and I went to a Christian convention. And at this Christian convention, there was thousands of people in this auditorium worshiping God, praising God. And right in front of me was this young man. And he just kept shaking the whole time, just convulsing in the seat in front of me, just shaking and bouncing all over. And I felt like the Lord told me, lay hands on him. (laughs) I don't know about that, Lord. I'm going to be, I mean, I'm in a convention with full of Christians and the Lord said, lay hands on them. And I said, I I don't, I don't know if that's going to work. 
There's people here, Lord. Like, what if I lay hands on him and he gets mad? What if I lay hands on him and it doesn't work? Have you ever had that thought? What if I lay hands on him and it doesn't work? That theory comes from this. What if I'm not enough? What if my power isn't enough? What if I can't do it? And the truth is, my power isn't enough. I'm not enough. My, all of, everything I have to offer isn't enough. But the one who lives inside of me is more than enough. And so he said, do it. And I said, no. And I sat there in my seat, absolutely frustrated with myself. And I'll never forget this. My wife can verify it was such a powerful moment. Some guy from two rows behind us walked down the aisle, walked up, put hands on him, prayed over him, and he stopped. And I thought to myself, God asked me to do that, but somebody else had to. And the truth is, God's asking a lot of you to do stuff, but he's having to find others to do it because you're not. That's a good word right there. Come on now. I say, God has a plan and a purpose for you. And you may say, you know what? My job stinks. There's a reason you're there for right now. You may say, man, what's going on around me is not good, but there's a reason you're there right now. It might be because you're the only light in that dark place. It might be because you're the only thing that's holding that place together. And so we have to say, Lord, what is it you want me to do in this place? I'll do it. Yeah. Man, what would have happened if I would have listened and I would have laid hands on him? Man, God would have used me. And from that very moment, I told my wife, I said, I'll never miss another opportunity when God tells me to do something. Have I ever missed it since? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's be real. But when God says to do it, who am I to doubt it? When God says to do it, who am I to say, I'm not enough? And even when I get to that place and I say, I'm not enough, I have to say, but you are. But you are. And you've called me to be your hands and feet, and I'm going to listen and do what you tell me to do. It says they will lay hands on the sick, and they might recover. Is that what it says? They will lay hands on the sick, and if everything lines up just right, and everything's going a certain way, then it might come to pass. That's not what it says. It says they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Not because of my strength and my might, but because of him. So if we're going to be disciples and we've been called to do this, then shouldn't we be doing it? Come on. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Esther. Now we're going to get into a whole lot of scripture. You say, I thought we already were. I want to talk to you about a lady that we know named Esther. But Esther's name wasn't always Esther. Her name originally was Hadassah. And we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to read to you just a little bit of of what we find here in the book of Esther. But I want you to see what happened in her life, what happened in her situation, and I want you to see that what's happening in her life is happening in your life. Are you ready for this? We're going to go to Esther, chapter 1. And it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, he is the king who reigned over 127 providences. That's a pretty big area, wouldn't you say? He's got a lot of area that he rules over, and he's the king, and he's doing all of these great things. And the Bible says, I'm not going to go too much further on that part, but the Bible says that he decided to have a 180-day fellowship, a 180-day get-together, a six-month party to show off the, the goodness of what he has, his royalty, his splendor, to show all of these things. And then it says on the last seven days, he decides to have a feast. And so he calls for all of the heads of the areas, all the heads of the providences, and he brings them into the kingdom and they begin to feast. I don't know about you, I've never been to a seven-day feast. 
At my house, we take at least a half an hour break in between. But he has a seven-day feast. I mean, they're eating, they're fellowshipping. The Bible says it wasn't their custom at the time to drink, but he went ahead and told them, you know what? You just do whatever you feel like you should do. That's open grounds for trouble, wouldn't you say? And so the Bible says on the seventh day, and I'm not going to read all of it to you. I had it, but you can read it for yourself later in this story. But on the seventh day of this party, he's merry in heart. And I want to break that down into 2022 language. He's drunk. I mean, come on. He's having a kegger like no kegger. He's having a whiner. Like, I mean, like he's got a party going. The drinks are flowing. Everything's great. The music's playing. Come on now. You got to picture this. And at the seventh day, all of a sudden he finds himself drunk and he has this great idea. And here's this great idea. My wife's name is Vashti. Send somebody to go get the queen. Tell her to put on her robe and come down here and strut around for all the guys to see her beauty. Doesn't that sound like a great plan? And so he sends the eunuch, and when the eunuch gets there and says to Queen Vashti, hey, you need to come down, put on your crown, and strut around so all the guys can see your beauty, she says, no. Now, back in this day, you got to hear this, there's no such thing as saying no to the king. If the king says to do it, you did it, or you lose your life. If the king said to jump on one foot, you better jump on one foot. If he says to run around, you better run around. And now here's his wife, and in front of all of these leaders that he oversees, she says, no. Ooh, I bet that hit a little bit right here, don't you think? That kind of hit the man card a little bit. What do you mean saying no to me? And so him and all of the other leaders begin to talk and to discuss the situation, and they come up with this great idea. She gone. Get her out. Send her away. Make a decree. Send her out of here, and we'll find somebody else to fill her place. Wow. All because she wouldn't come and show herself off for a bunch of drunk guys. She's gone. Come on now. Go with me to chapter, or chapter 2, verse 15. So we have this young girl. And her name is Hadassah. She's living with, some people say her uncle Mordecai, some people say her cousin Mordecai, but she's living with, with, with her uncle, we'll say. And all of a sudden, a decree goes out from the king, and the decree is this, bring all of the young ladies to come before the king, and whoever the king finds favor in, that's who will be the next queen. So all of a sudden you have a Jewish girl whose name was Hadassah that's been changed to Esther who's now going before the king. And in chapter 2 verse 15 it says, Now when her turn came, her uncle Mordecai had given her as his daughter to go into the king. She requested nothing but what Haggai the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Now listen, she's in a place that she probably doesn't want to be. She's in a situation that probably isn't the most comfortable situation, but the Bible says every place she went, she found favor. She found favor. She found favor. It kind of reminds me of a story in the Old Testament about a man named Joseph. Man, he was imprisoned. He was thrown in a hole. He was put into slavery. But the Bible says everywhere he went, he found favor. Why? Because when I put my trust in God, in the middle of my worst situation, he still is willing to elevate me and promote me. In the middle of my biggest trial, he's still there saying, I want to show you my favor and my goodness. Just put your trust in me. So she has favor everywhere she goes. 
So Esther was taken to the king in his royal palace in the 10th month. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor. Come on now. Grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. I guarantee you she had to be asking this question. Why am I here? Why me? Why, why, why am I? Lord, you know that I'm a Jewish girl and this is a Persian king. And now all of a sudden I'm here and all of a sudden it's bestowed upon me to be the next queen to step into this position. Why me? Some of you right now in your life are saying, Lord, why do you have me here? Why me? So verse chapter three, verse one, after these things, the king promoted Haman. And he advanced him and set him his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gates bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so many of the king had commanded concerning him, but Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gates said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's commandment? Think about this now. Here's this man. He's just been promoted. He's just been elevated up. And all of a sudden he sees Mordecai will not bow down before him. Why do I tell you this? Because we have things in our life on a daily basis that are asking us to bow down before them. We have things in our lives that are trying to take God's place and saying, just bow down to us, just kneel down to us, just give in to us. But we need to rise up and say, I only bow my knee to Jesus Christ and nothing else. There's nothing else in my life. I will lay down my life before I bow my knee to anyone but the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so Mordecai says, I am not about to bow down. And this is what happens. Haman has this great plan. Well, I can't just come against Mordecai. So I'm going to get the king to make a decree. And in this decree, this is what it's going to say. Are you ready? Let's put to death all the Jews. Now, this has gone from one man not bowing down to them coming against an entire people. Here's the truth. Oh, man, this just, come on now. There's coming a time in our society when the body of Christ is going to have to rise up and say, we will not be pushed around. We will not stop believing what we're believing. We will not be silenced, but we're going to rise up in truth, rise up in truth, rise up in truth, because it's the only way. The world for so long has found a way to silence the church. And one of the ways that they've been really good at silencing the church is this. It's not politically correct. It's not politically correct. Well, I'm going to tell you this boldly from right here. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm trying to be biblically correct. Because the biblical word of God is more important to me than your feelings. Because the biblical word of God is truth and it sets the captive free and it saved my life and it'll save your life. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it and hide it behind it. But I'm going to speak the truth. And if it offends you, I'm sorry. I'm still going to speak the truth. Come on now. Esther chapter 4, are you there? Verse 10. So Mordecai sends word to Esther, and he wants her to know what's going on. You need to understand that Haman has just put out a decree, and he's going to take out all of the Jews. Now, we don't think that's a big deal, but you have to remember one thing. She is a Jewish girl. So if they take out them all, she's going too. And so Mordecai sends word to her, and Esther spoke to her, to her eunuch. And he goes back to Mordecai and tells her, all the king's servant, verse 11, 
And the people of the king's province know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death. Now I'm going to sum that up for you a little cleaner. If I was to go to the king and I haven't been called, I haven't been appointed, my name isn't on the roster, and I just walk into the king and I say, hey, I want to talk to you, the law says he has to put me to death. Now, we don't think much of that today because we don't have those kind of rules. But you think back then, you have a young Jewish girl who's now the queen, and she's got all of this stuff going on in her life. Haman's coming against the Jewish people. I'm in the middle of all of this that's happening. What am I going to do? And her, her uncle says, you need to go in and talk to the king. And she's letting him know, if I do that, I will die. Unless, shoo, he has but one law to put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called for these next 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and Mordecai told them to answer Esther with these words. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. He's saying to her, listen, you might be the queen, you might be the king's wife, you might be living in the palace, but the same rule is going to apply to you that replies to everyone else who has the Jewish label on them. Don't you for one minute think that just because you're in the palace that he's not going to take you out too. When they find out about you, you're in a heap of trouble. Verse 14. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Think about this. The Lord told me to lay hands on that young man, and I didn't, and he had to find someone else to do it. So what is he saying? He's saying, listen, if you're not going to fulfill your purpose, God's still going to get it done, but why not you? Why are you not the one who's stepping up? Why does he have to keep looking for other people when he told you to do it? Why does he have to keep pulling other people up to take up the slack? Here's the truth. Come on now. You're going to love this. You're going to shout at me later. The truth is we have about 20% of the people in church doing 90% of the work. And if we all stepped up and took our part, took our purpose, took our plan and said, we're going to run with it together, man, what a difference the church would be. But when we wait on those same few people to do it all, God's saying, come on, I, I put you there for a reason. I put you there for a purpose. I put you there for a plan. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let me put it to you this way. He's saying to her, how can you deny God's appointment in your life? You've been appointed for such a time as this. He puts you there for a purpose. He puts you there for a reason. And you can either choose to do what he's called you to do or he'll find somebody else to do it. You see, each and every one of us here today have been put here to spread the gospel, to share the good news. And he's looking for you to pick up the slack and run with it rather than waiting for someone else to do it. Amen. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, 16, go gather all the Jews who are present and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days and nights. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
Now, you see, that's an important thing that we don't like to talk about. But here's the truth. We have to get to a place where we say the gospel is so important in my life. God is so important in my life. Jesus is so important in my life that if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to run my race. If I perish, I perish, but I'm going to preach the gospel. If I perish, I perish. You know what? You might be able to take my life, but you can't take the truth of the gospel. And so we need to rise up in the strength that Esther had and say, you know what? If that's what God has called me to do, I'll do it no matter what it costs me. No matter what it costs me. But we've gotten to a place where if it's not comfortable... We'll just wait. Guys, what are you willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God? What are you willing to lay down for the kingdom of God? You've been appointed just like she was appointed. And you've been called to change where you are. That's the reason you're there. We're not called to just fit in. We're not called to just be like everybody else. We're called to be the light. And we need to do that. You've been appointed. But here's the better part. Not only have you been appointed for such a time as this, not only have you been appointed for such a place as this, you've been anointed to do it. You've been anointed to do what God has called you to do. What does it mean to be anointed? It means that God poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, that we can walk in his power and his might, and he'll give us revelation, and he'll show us things to come, and he'll bring all things to our remembrance. And oh man, he wants to do so many things in our lives. Why? He appointed us for such a time as this. You see, there was someone else in the Bible that was anointed. And I want you to go to Luke chapter 4. Tell me when you get there. Luke chapter 4. Some of you have probably heard of this man in the Bible before. If you hadn't, we're failing. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. We're talking about Jesus. I hope you know Jesus, right? And he goes in, which was his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And when they handed him the book of the prophet Isaiah, he opened the book and found the place where this is written. Now, if you go back to Isaiah, you can read it too. But Jesus opens the book up and in front of them, he says these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Did you see that? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He said, I've been anointed by the Holy Ghost. I've been anointed by God the Father. He's given me these gifts, these callings. He's said he'd lead me through it. He'd take me through it. I've been called to do this, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I love the most. All of them sitting in the room listening to him, he closes the book. Hands it back to him and says, and today in your sight, it's been fulfilled. He said, I am the anointed one. I am the Christ. I am the one you're looking for. Why do you keep looking? I am he that's been anointed. Y'all should be shouting about that. I serve a king who's anointed. I serve a savior who's anointed by God, the father, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who knows the number of hairs on my head. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth to go forth and to set the captive free. And here's the even better story. You ready for this? He's anointed you to do the same thing. He's anointed you to do the same thing. Let me read you Acts 10, 38. You don't have to turn there. You can look at it later for yourself. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. 
says, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How did God anoint Jesus with the Holy Spirit? How did God anoint you with the Holy Spirit? First John, we're going to close with this. Get ready. First John chapter 2. Verse 20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I'll take that. I know all things. (laughs) Why? Because I'm anointed by the Holy One. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit will show me things to come. He'll lead me. He'll guide me. He'll teach me if I listen. But here's what happens too many times in the body of Christ. We go through roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and we drive off the end of the cliff. And then when we hit the bottom, we look at God and say, why didn't you send a sign? And he says, I've told you 12 times not to do it, but you kept doing it. But we'd rather blame God than say, you know what? We missed it. He said, you already know the truth. Why? Because you've been anointed by the Holy One. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. In other words, what he said, listen, I sent you the Holy Spirit. So as I read the word of God, the Holy Spirit brings it to life in me. As I read the word of God, it becomes true. And I have revelation, knowledge, and power because I have the Holy Spirit revealing it to me. I do not open this book without first praying, Lord, let the Holy Spirit reveal it to me. Lord, let the Holy Spirit make it real to me. Let the Holy Spirit show me what the word means. Let it be so real to me that I can't miss it. And he said, you have been anointed by God with the Holy Spirit to go out and do what God's called you to do. And if I've been anointed by the Holy Spirit, then what can stop me? If I have the greater one living in me, then what can slow me down? And the truth is only me. I'm going to say it again over here. The only thing that can slow me down and stop me from doing what God has called me to do is me. Some of you say, I don't understand what that means. It means this. I don't spend any time in this. I grow empty. I don't fill myself up every day with this. I start to starve. If I don't get this in me to the point that it's flowing out of me, I'm in a heap of trouble. But when I get this in me and I realize who I am in Christ, there's nothing that can stop the gospel from going forward. Nothing. So let me ask you today, are you appointed and anointed? And the answer is yes. And you should be excited about it. We're like, yes, I guess he's called me. I guess I got stuff to do. The church should be so excited, man. We get to tell others about the goodness of God. Somebody took the time to sow into my life the goodness of God. Somebody took the time to say, you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. And the first time they told me about my heavenly father, I said, I don't want nothing to do with it. I grew up in church. I grew up listening to the word, but they began to talk about a loving heavenly father. They began to talk about all of these different things. And I said, I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm good. I'm good. But you know what? They didn't quit. That little bit of adversity that I gave them didn't stop them. And here's what they did that I loved the most. Are you ready for this? They lived it for me. They lived it for me. You see, what happens so many times is we preach a good word, but we live a life that's completely opposite of what we're preaching. And what happens is they begin to say this, what you're doing is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. What, how you're living is completely contradicting what, you, what you're saying to me. But what happened in my life is they began to live the gospel out for me. And when they began to live it out, I couldn't deny it. 
I couldn't deny it. Man, there was something different about the way they acted and reacted. There was something different about the way they loved each other. There was something different about how they handled adversity. There was something different. What was it? The greater one was in them. And I got to a point where I said, man, there's no denying it anymore. I know that I know because they lived it out. So here's what I'm going to tell you. You say, I don't have the words all the time to preach the gospel. I want you to preach the gospel. And if you have to use words. And what I mean by that is live it out every day. Live it out. Let your life be the greatest presentation of the gospel that anyone has ever seen before. And that's when people will start coming to Jesus. When we start living the word as though it's true. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come to you tonight. We thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you have set us apart for such a time as this. We thank you, Lord, that we're not a mistake. We're not an accident. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what our family says. We're not here by mistake or accident. We're here together today to carry the gospel forth, to see the kingdom of God multiplied, to see the captive set free, to see the sick healed, to see the lame walk and the mute talk. We came to do what you've called us to do, to be your hands and feet, to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Lord, use us in a mighty way. I ask for a refreshing in this place, Lord. I ask for a re-stirring in this place, Lord. Let each and every person that you've set in this house rise up in the gifts and callings you've put in their life, rise up in the truth of who they are in you and begin to carry the gospel forward. My Lord, Lord, my prayer is that we stop waiting for someone else to do it. And we just start doing it. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Lord, I see that and I remember that. When I went to Bible school, now you just stay in an atmosphere of prayer right now, but when I went to Bible school, they made a statement and it changed my life forever. They said, you have to understand that you're not at Bible school for you. You're at Bible school because somewhere somebody's praying for you. And I'm telling you right now, you're not in this place just because you're here. You're here because somebody's praying for you. They're praying for you to reach out to their children. They're praying for you to reach out to their grandchildren. They're praying for you to reach out to your parents. They're praying for laborers and you're the laborers. So it's time to rise up in that. So Heavenly Father, right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I know tonight I said we were anointed and appointed but some of us may have never even received Jesus. And that's the first step. It's the greatest step you'll ever take. So right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna be real and I wanna ask you, it's just between you and Jesus, have you ever received him as your Lord and Savior? You see, just because you come to church doesn't mean you've received him. Just because you grew up in youth or grew up in Sunday school doesn't mean you've ever made the commitment. You have to make that commitment. So right now with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this place, if that's you and you say, I need Jesus, I want you to slip your hand up in the air. Don't worry about what people will say. Don't worry about what they might think. It doesn't matter. It's about you and Jesus. I'm going to ask in the same invitation, if you're here and you say, you know, I once lived for Jesus, but I've really been doing my own thing, gone my own way. And I really want to rededicate my life. If that's you anywhere in this place, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand as well. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And we thank you for each and every person that's here, Lord. We thank you that you have appointed them and anointed them to carry the gospel to their world, to carry the gospel to their home, to their children, to their subdivision, to their works, to their school. I thank you, Lord, not only did you appoint us for such a time as this to do it, but you anointed us with the Holy Ghost, the greater one who lives inside of us, the one that we can depend on, the one who will move mountains, the one who will change the situation. And Lord, we are walking in Holy Ghost power. Use us in a mighty way where we are. Use us to touch lives, to change lives for the kingdom of God. I thank you, Lord, that each and every person here said that they are right with you. And Lord, I pray that they are right with you. But if they're not, I pray that they will not leave this place till they know that they know that they'll spend eternity with you. And we give you all the praise for all that you are doing in this house. In Jesus' precious name, and we all said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you. We love you. And I believe, is it you? No?